What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's because even in trucking, it's just like anything in any business in life. You need a network. I had a more of a head start when you own your trucks. You know what I mean? Because what you make is profit other than your bills. Turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And yo, I'm super excited today, man. I have a, a Philadelphia hip hop legend in the building with me today. My man Spade. What's good, my brother? I'm blessed, man. I'm happy to be here, man. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited too. No doubt, bro. So, you know, I'm I'm an 80s baby, mm. um, but grew up in the 90s. So, you know, your music was definitely, definitely contributed to, to you know, brick my upbringing. You know what right, I'm right, saying? Right. Around that time, you know, Duchess Spade, major figures, like, that was that was huge for me. So this is a dope moment, man, to really connect with you and be able to talk about, you know, Probably that, that the hip hop and then also but trucking, you know what I'm saying? Cause you, you in the trucking industry now. So that, that's how we get the truck and hustle, but we going to get to that, man. So first of all, I want to just thank you for, for coming on the show and, and blessing us with your presence, bro. Nah, man. Thanks for having me, man. The old dude, you know what I mean? I'm still around. <laughs> thanks for letting the old man come in and kick it with you for a couple minutes. No you doubt. I mean? No doubt. Yeah. That's, that, that's love, bro. So, so I always like to kind of start from the beginning, man. When, when I, when I, when we came in, I was playing where I'm from, mm-hmm. the Cameron joint. It's one of my favorite joints that, that Cameron was on, and mm-hmm. one of my favorite joints from y'all too. Just take take me back to that time, man. Who 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 was Spade around around that time when that joint dropped? Uh, um, I was young. I was uh, I was hungry. I was dibbling and dabbling and shit. I ain't had no business, you know what I'm saying? Other than just the music, but it was it was a beautiful time for me, you know, to be, you know, when we first started. It was unheard of for people from Philly to get on in a rap game. You know what I'm saying? So it literally, in a six to nine month period, I went from watching guys and on TV and listening to them on the radio to being in the studio with them recording and making music with them. So it was like a surreal time for me. That's crazy. So so what part of Philly are you originally from? I'm from Nice Town. Nice Town. Yes, North that, Philly. Yep. North, North Philly. This area right here, matter of fact. Not, yep, yep, not too far from here. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. So so how what what was Nice Town like? Philadelphia area like coming up around around that time like what was the environment like I mean you know what it is the, you know the ghettos of America is pretty same you know what I mean poverty crime drugs you know what I mean but it also was a good energy you know what I'm saying it was a, a dope upbringing I actually grew my love for hip-hop right there and when I was younger in the early 80s and the mid to late 80s uh, every Sunday at Stinton Park that was at the corner of my mom block they used to, you know, back when you could plug up the electricity to the light pole. 100%. And the DJs used to come up there. I'm talking about back in the day, DJ Jazzy Jeff, Cash Money, Cosmic Kev. And they used to come up there on Sundays and just for hours just spin hip-hop records. You know what I mean? And it was just like every Sunday. So that's why I really, like, fell in love with hip-hop and yeah. the culture of hip-hop. Yeah. No no doubt. So so how did you get into the game, man? 
Um, I always was was good with putting together words even before I thought about rapping because I always had a I had a, a fly talker older brother and an uncle and they was just always was like fly talkers so I always could take little stuff from them right and then I just you know my friends when I was growing up in Nice Town they was rapping and I never thought about no rapper shit you know we right. all we young we all think we going to the NBA or the NFL or you know whatever and uh. I just used to run around with them, and then I just, you know, on the side, I used to just try to put together my little raps. And then one day, I was like, yo, listen, listen to this. I wrote a rap. And they was like, yo, this, this shit actually good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I just, you know, I just grew. You know, one thing about me is I'm obsessive. Once I put my head to something, I'm going to be good at it. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to work to be yeah. good at it. To make what, sure. what, what age were you at this time? Um, like when you first started falling in love with hip hop? I probably was like 18 or 19. Okay. So you weren't too young. You you were like a, approaching adulthood for the most part. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Manhood. Yeah, yeah, because I was approaching it like grown now. You better figure out something. You better <laughs> you go and do something. Yeah. What, what 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 were you doing before that? Like like high school years. Like you know, tell me about that. Was you just running around the streets. What, I was just you know I was a uh, playing sports in high school. Okay. I was a fan of hip hop and you know dibbling and dabbling and running around in the streets. Too. Got got you, got you. So, so when, like, how did you get like your first deal? Like, how did that whole situation happen? Um, it was like a chance encounter because once we started the major, once we all got together and just uh, started doing the music together, we just used to go around. Like, to be honest, DJ Clark Kent, shout out to DJ Clark Kent. He Clark used to Kent. take us to New York. We used to go up to New York and go mess with him. He was like one of the first guy that really believed in major figures, and he just used to take us to every studio. Yo, Rough Riders got a session over here. Yo, Rockefeller over here. Yo, these guys is over here. They recording here. They re and he could get in. You know what I'm saying? So he would come in and bring us. And we just would rap. And then people just started taking to us and taking to us. And then we just started getting on mixtapes and those types of things. And next thing I know, it was like a bid war. And it was kind of like we kind of chose where we wanted to go. It was yeah. up to us. You know what I mean? How, how'd you meet Clark? Uh, actually, I think because he's a he's a Brooklyn legend, Clark Kent. Yo, I, I I really I You don't remember? Gilly no, Gilly and Lava met Clark first. Okay. Probably Gilly. And then they called me one day, like, yo, we're gonna go up to New York and go mess with Clark Kent. Okay. And then I met him via them. You know what I'm saying? Got you. So they was already kind of rapping, moving around, and and then you kind of came came in next after that. Mm-hmm. And then you y'all started moving around. Clark started kind of like shopping y'all, like, yo, these guys are dope. Not even shopping us, because he didn't even want nothing from us. Okay. He, he, Clark is just a diehard hip-hop guy. So he just was like, yo, I got some dope MCs out yeah. of Philly. Yeah. And people used to, you know, when they used to say we're from Philly, people used to like look at us funny. Because we was going up to New York, this is like grimy New York. Right. Gore-Tex boots, Ava Rex's do-rags and you know what I mean? What's the name? And we up there with polo shirt, bright colored polo shirts on Facts. and Reeboks and you know what I mean? It was like, was like looking at us funny, but... <laughs> Once that microphone came on, all that funny shit went out the window. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah. So, so, so y'all start moving around. So, mm. did like t tell me about like getting like your first deal? You said it was like a bidding war. Like everybody was. Mm -hmm. Look, y'all started heating up the streets, yeah. rapping mixtapes. Yeah. We doing mixtapes at that time because yep. mixtapes mix heating yep. up the streets, right? So, um, then it was just a word of mouth then through the industry. Mouth. Like, yo, these balls from Philly, they. Just, it was like, so everybody was just trying to reach out and get in contact with us. And then it just was like, we had a choice of where we wanted to go. Right. And, and the original group, Major Figures, was Gilly, uh, you, Ablava, right? Me, Gilly, Ablava, Bianca, Rolex, Dutch, 
uh, Bump Johnson, Chops and Ruck. You know what I mean? Y'all had a crew. Y'all yeah. was moving like the woo out there. Yeah, yeah, we was deep. Yo. <laughs> yeah, we was deep. Y'all was su- super deep. Mm-hmm. All right, so so you you start getting into your rap career. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it, man. Is it a lot for you to take on as a young man? Like, how, how does that change you as a person? Because you know, you, you you coming from Philly, you in the streets, but now you're starting to see a different type of lifestyle with the music. You know, I'm sure things are changing. So, how, how does that affect you? Um, it didn't affect me enough mm. because I I didn't I wasn't conscious of the business. I wasn't handling business. You know what I'm saying? I, to be brutally honest, I took my first rap check and bought drugs with it. You know what I mean? I took it. I made clean money dirty, like a fool would. You know what right. I mean? Like a young dude from the ghetto who don't know no better. Right. You know what I mean? So I wasn't moving. Smart. But I mean, far as just being around, I was having the time of my life. I was getting exposed to things. You got to remember, I was around people that I was fans of now. Now I'm in a room with them. Now I'm their peer. Yeah. You know what I mean? These guys, a year before then, I was riding around listening to their mixtapes in my car. Right. Now I'm with them doing songs with them. You know what I mean? So it was like a kind of surreal for me, but I was basking in the moment more than I was handling the business. Got you. Got you. Do you remember what your first rap check was? Uh, my first rap check was for one hundred and ten thousand dollars. One hundred and ten thousand. Because so I got, that was an advance. I got multiple rap checks because okay. I had a me Dutch and Spade. We had our deal with Entertainment, and then Major Figs. We had our deal with Warner Brothers. Okay. So I had multiple rap checks. Got you. Got you. So you had two deals. We. I had two deals. Yeah. Okay. That's dope. So, okay, so in terms of like uh, producing on those deals, what happened with like the albums and all them situations? Um, the albums. Well, the Major Figures album came out. The Major out. Figures joint came out. Dutch and Spade, we got kind of caught up in a wash with what was going on with Un. You know, Un was, went through his labels moving from, he went from Sony to Interscope and the situation with him and Jay-Z and them and all. We kind of got caught up in a wash with all of that. Okay. And in the mix of that, I'm full blown back into the streets now. So it was like, you know, not too long ago in the midst of all of that, I'm in the penitentiary now. Right. So it's like it, I kind of fumbled the, the whole situation. So so with seeing all that, you know, success like on the horizon, like what what made you like dip back? Like what was it? Was it not? Because I mean, that's one hundred ten thousand dollars. That's a but lot I didn't of money see the success. Just, I didn't see the success. I didn't see the I didn't see the long run because mm. at the end of the day. For a Philly rapper back then, getting a record deal was the end game. Got you. You feel what I'm saying? Because that was unheard of for us. So getting on and actually getting the record deal was getting on. That was getting on. I'm on. Got you. So in your mind, you arrived. Yeah, I arrived. I, I, we, we, I didn't see it as, you know what I mean? I could be a mogul. I could be a CEO. I could grow to this. I could brand to being this. I could branch to being this. I was cool with, I was content with, damn, I know Jay-Z. I'm around Jada Kiss. I'm around DMX. I'm around Swiss B. I'm around this. Never in my mind am I imagining I could be these guys if I handle my business correctly. Right. I didn't see it that far. And, and you know what? It makes sense because at that time, we didn't really have a lot of examples of that. No. I mean, other than us, before us, the Roots were the only rappers from Philly that were on. And then once they were on, the Roots is from a different genre. And once they got on, they were no longer. They was doing tours over Europe and this and this. They wasn't here. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So there was no example for us to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just was out there winging it. You got you. I mean? Got you. So so what happens next? You 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 know kind of dip back into the streets then what? You know, I dip back in the streets and there's no such thing as dipping back in the streets. Once you put your toe in the street, 
you win. You know what I'm saying? The pull of the streets is always stronger than any other thing because there isn't, you can't halfway be in the streets. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, once you're in, you're in. You know what I mean? And, you know, not too long, I ended up in a penitentiary, I, you know, and that's how it goes. Got you. How, how, did, how did that impact you emotionally going from, you know, the rap game, now you in the penitentiary? Like, how did that affect you? Like, I, that, that's, I mean, because you were never in jail before. Right? No, no, before no. Before no. that? So, I, so was it like a shock? Like, did you look back like, damn, I had all this opportunity and now I'm here? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what were you thinking at that time? If you could like recollect and go back. Honestly, to be honest, it was like closure to me. Once I got independent, because I was like, I was doing so much dumb shit and I was involved in so much shit. And you know what I'm saying? It was just like, okay, all right. You know what I mean? You almost felt like you knew you was going to end up there. Or, or did. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, so it was, right. like, it was like, all right, you here. All right, cool. Slow down. Get your shit together. Get your mind right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, once, you know, it came to pass and I didn't get life in prison, I was like, all right, well, you know, go ahead and walk your dogs and, and get your life together. You know what I mean? And yeah. get on out here and figure it out. You know I mean? Got you. So, so while you were in there, how did you pass your time? Um, I just, I worked out heavy. I used to just try to, you know, focus on religion, working out, uh, you know, reading some books. Not as many. I should. I, I wasn't reading the right types of books that I should have been reading. I did read a lot of. I wasn't really a hood novel type of guy, but I read a lot of books about finance and, you know, the men who made America and those types of things. You know what I mean? But I should have kept myself more up to date with technology, with uh you know, business, the, how technology is, 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 was going to control the business because therefore when I came home, I would have been more entombed. Right, right, right. Who, who, who kind of puts you on to like those books? Like you said, the men who made America, like what made you read those kind of books? Um, you know, when you're in a penitentiary, you get a lot of older guys. I mean, it's a different conversation when you're talking to a guy that been in prison more years than you've been alive. You know what I mean? So when you're talking to them, it's a different conversation and they just used to you know, tell me it was it was it was an older brother, and I always tell this story because he used to always like one day he pulled me to the side. He said, "Yo, come here, come here." I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "No, listen, little brother." He's like, "You one of the guys I see how everybody follow, how everybody gravitates to you. They speak well about you. They like you. They respect you, and you seem like you got some sense." He said, "Let me ask you a question." I said, well, "What's going on?" He said, "Uh, what do you think brought you to here?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Do you think you uh?" made a mistake or did you make a decision? And I, you know, I said what everybody would have said. Nah, I, just, I made a mistake. I was young. I made mistakes. He said, okay, all right. He didn't speak to me for like nine months. Like he walked by me like he didn't know me for like nine months. Then he asked me again one day, like, yo, like, Spade, what's up? He like, so what, you, what now? You, do you feel like you still feel the same way? Do you feel like you, you made a all right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. A mistake or do you feel like you made a decision? And I said the same, I gave him the same answer. I'm like, no, nah, I made a mistake. I was young. I ain't know no better. All right. He ain't speak to me again for another. Like this shit went on for like eight years. <laughs> Literally back and forth like this, us talking and then not talking for nine months at a time for like eight years. Then one day 
He asked me and shit because by then I had got sent to Virginia for a couple years and then I came back. I had a bunch of stupid shit going on. So he uh he asked me, he said, all right, all right, you've been in here a little while now. Now what you think? You, do you feel like you made a mistake or you made a decision? I said, man, I made a decision. He was like, do you really understand that? I said, fuck no, but I just don't want you to keep <laughs> stop talking to me again. Like, uh, right, right, like right. I, I noticed after eight times of having the wrong answer, this has to be the right answer. Right. So he's like, he's like, no, listen. He said, the reason why I keep asking you that, he said, uh, a man who, a man who continues to use the excuse of he, he made a mistake is going to continue to make bad decisions. A man that understands he's, he made bad decisions, it's going to limit the amount of mistakes he make. Mm. And it just made life make sense to me after that. Mm. Once he said that, that opened my ears, my eyes, like I looked at things and I, and I listened to things different and it, it changed my perspective of. At that moment, I came out of my bid. You know what I'm saying? When you in jail, you just doing a bid. Right. You know That's what I'm right. saying? When he said that to me, it opened my ears like, yo, like, let me get out of a bid and let me find out what's going on in the real world. You know what I'm saying? Because you get so caught up in a bid that you, you lose connection to the real world or what's going on. And I just used to, it changed the way I looked at things. It changed how important watching sports was to me. It changed everything. So I just... Started, you know, reading different books. And then I, I you know, I read about the Middle Made America, about Carnegie and Rockefeller and, you know what I mean, Commodore Vanderbilt and how the, the correlations and chance encounters like made America, like how American industry moves, you know what I mean? And how, you know, just money, because you'll never be able to keep money if you don't understand how it works. Yeah. You know, money's easy to get. It's hard to keep. That's a fact. You know, that's a fact. So what, what would you say? Of all the lessons you learned while you were down, it, it, like from reading and educating yourself, what was like the main thing that you learned that you kind of took with you when you were released and when you got out into the free world? Um, don't mess with happiness chasing fun. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like chase happiness. You know what I'm saying? Pursue happiness. The money going to come. You know, people say I'm chasing a bag. I'm chasing a bag. The bag ain't never running. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just we think we're doing something, but we stagnant. We're being stagnant. You know, uh, I read John Wooden's book, The uh, Pyramids of Success. And one of the blocks on the Pyramid of Success is don't mistake activity for achievement. You know, a man can run five. I can run five miles on the street. You can run five miles on a treadmill, but only one of us went somewhere. That's a fact. So we did the same five miles, but only one of us went somewhere. And, yeah. that, and, and that just let me know, like, how much of, uh, of my life and my time I spent moving laterally, you know what I'm saying? Thinking I'm doing something, but I wasn't doing nothing but moving side to side. So that changed my whole perspective when I got home. You know what I mean? Got you. At what point did you start seeing, like, while you were, while you were in, what point did you start seeing, like, life outside? Like, what, when did you start thinking, like, you know what? There's going to be a life for me outside of here, and I got to start preparing myself for that. Uh, it took a while because initially um, my sentence was a lot longer. So freedom wasn't even a reality to me. Like I didn't listen to rap music. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't attached to nothing because I'm like, man, I'm in here. This is over. And then once I uh, got an appeal to come through and got my sentence reconsidered and got things put back together, like, I'm like, oh shit, I'm ready to be out of here in a couple of years. I got a shot at getting out of here. That's when I started like tuning into the real world, but I still didn't tune in well enough. You know, I still, I thought I had it figured out, but when I walked out, it was a whole totally different world than I even knew because I didn't keep myself in tune to technology. Mm. I didn't know how much technology controlled the world. Right. You know what I mean? When you're going for that many years, you don't understand how much the world changes. The world going to be different in a year from now. 
So let alone 11 to 12 years, you know That's what I mean? Fact. So I didn't understand how much technology control, like, because when I, when I went in, a cell phone was something that belonged to somebody that had a job or you was a, a dope dealer. And I came home, the bums had cell phones. <laughs> Kids had cell phones. Like, you know, everybody walked down the street, had a phone. And I was like, yo, technology really runs the world. Right. I didn't understand it. It was no such thing as social media or any of that when I went in. So I was so far behind on that, you know what I mean, that I had to try to catch up to that. That's what, that's what I wish I would have been more on. Got you. So, so what was your plan or did you have a plan for when you got released? Uh, my, I had a plan and then I kind of went away from my plan because honestly, to be 100% with you, I would have been happy to come home and be a trash man, make an honest wage and live my life. You know what I mean? But it was so much. Once I got home, it's like, Spado home. He got to do music. Duh, 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 duh. But my goal when I came home to, to, and music was not for me to be the, the star, to be out in the front. Like my goal was to put some other guys on and let them be the stars. Because to be honest, like once you've been there, it, it, it did, to me, once I've been, it didn't have that appeal. I'm not a guy who couldn't walk away from the lights. You know what I mean? Because mm. I always looked at it like, like who really, who climbs Mount Everest twice? Mm. You know what I mean? Like once you, you, you've been there, like it's like it didn't have that appeal to me. Like I don't, I didn't crave the attention. I just wanted some money. Right. So my goal was to put a label together and, you know, try to put some other artists on. But like I said, I was behind on technology. I was behind on how social media, YouTube, uh, streaming. I was behind on how those things were in the world. I thought it was old school. Look, we going to hit the streets, get a street team, hang up posters, da, 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 da. And, that, and it was just a waste of money. You know what I mean? And it was a, a waste of time and energy. So then when that didn't work out and, and, and got slow, you know, I have my instincts kick back in. I go back to what I know. You know mm. what I mean? Streets. Right. Go back to what I, what I know, the streets. I end up getting locked back up. Catch a whole, another major case. I sit 13 months fighting the case. I ended up beating the case. Now I come home. Now it's lifetime. Because I can't go back again. You know what I mean? I'm not going to spit in God's face again. You know what I'm saying? I promised all these great things that I wouldn't do that I would do when I got home. And I went totally against that once times got tough. Because it takes dis discipline to struggle. I didn't have enough discipline. Yeah. You know, it takes discipline to stick to your plan even when, you know what I'm saying, it's tough. It takes discipline to believe in a vision that only you can see some days. You know what I mean? And I didn't have it then. And then after I sat for those 13 months, because now I'm sitting in the county jail fighting the case. Now I'm the old dude in jail. Now I'm like, you know, I'm the guy I used to, to grind up like, man, oh, ain't you too old to still be right, <laughs> sitting around? You know, now I'm around the dudes that's younger than my son. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm in the jail with him. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, this is not, you know what I mean? This, yeah. this, this can't work. If I get another shot at this, I ain't looking back at that. You know what I mean? Right. And that's really how I got into the trucking stuff. So you, you get another shot, right? So mm -hmm. you have that 13 months. So during this time, what are you doing? Uh, you say you're sitting in the county? Yeah, I'm in the county. All right. So are you able to like educate yourself? Are you able to do anything in there? Like talk to me about what, what you're doing to prepare to, because obviously you probably stressing trying to figure out if you're going to be able to get out. For sure. Number I'm one. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I didn't, it was like, if I lose this kid, my life is over. Right. So it's limited resources. So I wasn't there and I wasn't able to, to really, 
you know, my mind's not open as it was when I was upstate. You know, you got the library. You got a lot of things to open your mind. You're outside, you're getting fresh air. You you know what I'm saying? It's things to keep your mind. The county is just, you're just confined. You're right. just being held. So my mind wasn't really into that. So then when I come home, when I beat the case and I come home, my woman like, yeah, yeah, my, my, my uncle. Because I'm like, I got to do something else. I can't jump back in the streets because now the parole people on me now. Because when I went, I was, was home on parole and I, they thought I was the straight and narrow and all along I'm jugging and finessing. So now they on me this trip now. So when I come home, I'm like, yo, I can't eat. I don't even want to walk down the street. Like, I'm cool. So, you know, my woman's like, well, you know, my uncle, he worked for the, the trash company, but you need a class B CDL in order to get the the the, the job. And I'm like... Uh, I'm like, I ain't got no CDL, so that's off the list. Next thing I know, like two days later, all these trucking schools is calling my phone. I'm like, what the? She didn't call and registered me with all of these people. She didn't done it. Right. right hey, listen, right, man, the right, right woman going, she going, oh, she going to stand you up. You know 100%. what I mean? When you, when you bending and you folded, she going to stand you up. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So she calling me. Bang, 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 bang. She called. All these people called. I'm like, yo, what is she like? Well, I registered you. You, you, because you wasn't going to do it, which I wasn't. She was right. She know what I'm going to do. She know I'm going to sit around for a minute, but I'm not going to sit around and be broke without no money. That's a fact. Not when I got all these, you know what I mean? I can make a couple calls and, you know what I mean? I ain't. So she did that. So now I get a plug from my man. My man like, no, they uh, pay for me to go to parole. You just tell them you wanted this and they'll pay for you to go to school. So... I go see my parole officer. I said, listen, I want to stay out of trouble. I'm doing this. I'm changing my life. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I want to go to trucking school and get my CDL. And they like, oh, we can do that. You serious? And they gave me the voucher. I went to the school. I went to Smith and Solomon. I got my CDL and I started working for a company. See, the thing is, what's crazy is when I first came home, my humbleness went away because I was so humble and I, like I said, I'd have been happy to come home and be a trash man. But once I came home and the people start screaming your name again a little bit, it make you it make you get arrogant. I mean, I ain't going to work for nobody. I'm such and such. Right. I can't go work for nobody. I'm such and such. You know what I mean? Now I don't even, you know, it wouldn't even bother me. But then it, it, it was just a different stigma. I let people tell me how I should conduct things instead of me conducting them the way I should have been doing it the whole way. Yeah. So once I go, I, you know, I go to school, I get the CDL. You know, I, now I'm done with school. I'm trying to go get jobs at companies. I was at probably at three or four different companies because, you know, your criminal background don't come until you're already there. I'm at orientation. I'm, I'm in three or four different states. I might have been there. Orientation. My, my criminal background come back. They like, uh, no, you got to get back on a plane or get wow. back on a bus and go wow. at home because yeah. my criminal background was too bad. Yeah. So now I'm discouraged. I'm like, man, I can't go work, man. Damn. I went and did all of this and now I still can't work. Like, you know, now I'm I'm really frustrated because I'm like, damn, I can't get ahead. I can't get a break. I'm trying to do it the right way and I still can't get a break. But I ended up getting a, a small company. You know, they was willing to hire me, you know, and I rode for them the whole way. But my woman in my ear the whole time, like, yo, like, just learn the game, learn the business. She's already on the plan of, yo, we're going to get our own trucks and our own business and we're going to do this. My mom not even there yet. You know, honestly, I don't even see it that far because I wasn't educated in the trucking industry. So I didn't know, you know, it was a pot of gold in it. So I'm working and I'm just learning different things. And, you know, and I'm making some nice money. But being as though it's a smaller company, sometimes I'm actually seeing the invoices from the brokers. And and I'm like, whoa, they paying me this, but they getting paid this. I'm like, is this type of money in this stuff? Right. 
I'm like, oh, no, it's on. It's on. And then I just, you know, put my head to the ground. I said, I'm going to learn everything I can from them from the, about the trucking industry. I'm going to read every book. I'm going to talk to everybody I know. And then, you know, we got our first truck and just, you know, I just jumped in the deep water, you know. No doubt. All right. So let's take it back real quick. So when you first got started, you you worked for a couple of companies. You were going over the road. You were mm-hmm. I was going over the road. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? Tell me, because you're, you're a driver. We have a lot of people on this show who are investors who don't drive. So right. you actually drove the truck. Tell me about that experience. Coming from, because you've lived like three, four lives. For sure. For <laughs> you sure. know what I'm saying? So yeah. now you're driving, you on the road. Tell me about like that, just that whole experience driving o- over the road. You know what was crazy? It was dope. It was just like, it changed my misconception of people. You know, because it was like, you would think, you know, you hear these things about you in places like Idaho, Montana, uh, New Mexico, and you know, those types of, st- you're like, man, ain't nothing here. And I'm like, yo, this stuff is, it's, America's really a beautiful place. Like when you see it from the road driving, like seeing it from an airplane and seeing it from the road driving, you see the world totally different because, you know, you see places in Utah and you be like, yo, this is beautiful out here. Or you ride through Montana and the mountains of Montana, you be like, oh my God, like the grass, it's a different air. The air smells different out here. <laughs> right. So it was like really a, a, a eye opener for me. And it was kind of, cool for me because I'm kind of more of an introvert so them hours I spent on the highway driving I could think I could gather my thoughts I could try to do some different things so it was cool for me man it, it really was it was a cool experience but then it got tired and I'm like all right yeah I'm burnt out with this. How, how long were you spending out out, out on the road like what was your schedule when like, uh, like I was doing team driving oh, so you was doing teams yeah and I had a good I had a good partner so I was getting we would we would get to Cali or Washington or Oregon and back in five days Cause you know it was we we had a we had a niche. You you do you do seven hundred miles a shift, right? That was our rule amongst each other. You doing your, your eleven hours? You gonna do seven hundred? We gonna get there and we gonna get back. Got you. How, how was the pay at that time when you were working for the, for those companies? I mean, it was decent pay. Was decent I mean, pay. you know, if I go out and file every day, I'm I'm coming home with between eighteen hundred and twenty two hundred every five to six days. So I couldn't complain about. Got that. you. What, what what was the craziest thing that happened to you while you was out on the road? So, uh, several things like you, you, you riding through, uh, Montana and, and you see buffaloes crossing the street like dogs. I'm like, is, is them buffaloes? I'm like, oh shit. Right, they, like they ain't got those in Philly. They buffaloes. And I'm like, no, this shit is real. Or I'm riding through, uh, Oregon and there's, and there's moose out there. And you think a moose horse, and I'm like, yo, this the moose is looking me eye to eye. I'm right. in the truck, and he's right next to the, and his eyes were my eye. I'm like, yo, this is humongous. <laughs> you know, you you you've never seen got that close to those types of animals, right? In the ever than the zoo, right? Or like we in uh, where was I at? I was I was somewhere, and I pulled over on the side of the road. My partner like, yo, I got to use the bathroom, pull over real quick. So what we pulled over at it was maybe like. 100 yards to the woods, but it was like a flat field, maybe 50 yards to the woods. Okay. And it's nighttime. So I see him, he go to, he go, he go on, he taking a leaking. Then I just start seeing like these glowing eyes in the bush. I start seeing some <laughs> glowing eyes and I'm like, I roll the window there. I'm like, yo, bro. I'm like, bro, yo, come back to the truck. Come on, come on. He like, what you talking about? Hold on, hold on. I was like, bro, come on. Like, come on. I look. Next thing I know, I hear, I hear the, the sound. It's a pack of wolves. It's like 30 of them. It's a, you know, from him using the bat, the smell attracted wow. the wolves. Oh, wow. And they coming. They coming. So I'm like, yo, get back on this truck. Hurry up. I'm like, hurry up. Just run. I'm like, hurry up. Just run. 
he run, he jump on the truck. It's a whole pack of wolves, like 30 wolves. Yo, that's crazy. And it's nighttime. You can't see them. All you can see is the eyes. You got to face no street lights out there. Right. The only light is the moon. Right. That's it. It's pitch black out there. Yo, that's Pitch wild. black. That's yeah, wild. yeah. So it was like, uh, I'm getting off of this. <laughs> this ain't going to work for me. Oh, man. What, what type of freight were you delivering when you, when you were doing the team driving? Um, different stuff. I was doing some, some, some commodities. I was doing some reefer, doing delivering food, a lot of, uh, produce. Cause you know, it's a lot of produce runs out of, uh, Oregon and, uh, Chino, California, back and forth to Hunts Point, New York. Cause that's like the main, uh, distribution for like the East coast, the Northeast, uh, Hunts Point, New York. So that was, that was, it was okay, but it burnt me out. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it definitely burned you out. So, so how long did you spend OTR? Uh, about three months. Three months? Yeah, because okay. I wanted to get the experience as well. Right, right, right. Got you. So after that three months is when you got hired by the local guy, right? Or, or with some other companies you were with between then? You said um, you worked for like two or three companies, right? Well. For, for a little while. Yeah, well, not, not, not really much. Okay. You know, once I got back off the road, a friend of mine I had went to school with, he jumped right into entrepreneurship from the door. He went right and bought him a, a, a truck from the door. So by the time I come back, he already got his trucks running. Okay. So he likes, man, you can come run with me, do some little local stuff, blah, 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 blah. You know, but my goal, it wasn't just, it just wasn't there because it wasn't the same type of money that I was making. Right. You know what I mean? And then I was like, nah. Then I just, you know, once I got my own truck, it, I, you know, I started you know, as a different lessons, you got to learn, you know what I mean? Own your own truck. Now you got to try to get bids and get contracts and get work. And tell, tell me about it. Tell me the process of getting your own truck. How did you get your own truck? Did you, how'd you finance it? Like just that whole process of going from, you know, employee to actually working, getting your authority, all that. Tell me about that process. Yo, I'm not going to lie. Then again, there's my woman. She always been working. She's a registered nurse. So she always been working and she always, you know, women are savers. Right. You know what I mean? So she say, 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 say. She like, yo, we going to get a truck. I'm like, all right, we're going to pay cash. So we pay cash for our first truck. Yeah. I don't got a clue how I'm going to get this truck to make money or none of that. I don't got a clue how to, I don't know a broker from a factoring company from a, a plumber. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I don't got a clue. You know, so now we, now we got a truck. It looks nice and shiny, but it's just sitting there. <laughs> what, what kind of truck is it? What year uh, is it? Uh, 2016 International Pro Star. Okay. So it's pretty new. It's yeah, still new new, yeah, I still At got it to this day. Right, yeah, okay. I still got it to this day. So it was like, um, I'm like, all right, I got this new shiny truck. Got the shiny decals all on the side. And I'm like, whoa, this is the nicest. But I'm like, I don't got no work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just, it, but my man, fortunately, he had, you know, he had been running for a while. So he just used to be like, let me subcontract underneath him. Okay. You know, and he was finessing me out of money. The contract might have been paying ten thousand. He giving me six. You know what I mean? Fin- right. But that's part of the process. I had to learn. You know what I mean? And uh, I just started learning different things because even in trucking, it's just like anything in any business in life. You need a network, right? Because you always need somebody to say, "Well, I got a plug with this company, or I got a plug with this, or I got a plug with this broker, or this dispatch, or this or that." So. I just, just for me working and I always had a good, good work ethic, just for me working and moving the truck myself, it was like, all right, let me go do this. And then, you know, the miracles are like Amazon, you know what I mean? Amazon will let you run on the first day. So that's how I really kind of started being more independent. I started running Amazon Relay and that's really how I started growing in my independence. Got you. So, so the first truck, you were driving it, it was your truck and you also drove it as well. I was driving it, yep. yep. I was driving, I had a driver too. 
because I got lazy, you know okay. what I mean, and comfortable because I was tired of it, and I had a driver in there, and yeah, that's how that's how that worked. Now, now, were you the loads that he was providing for you? Were those like over the road loads, or were those like local? Nah, mostly mostly local. Okay, all local and regional, but not really even regional. Mostly local. Yep, I'm okay. home every day. Got you, got you. So you you do that for how how long with with him? Uh, I probably been doing that for a few months. Okay, and then you said you connected with Amazon. That was next. Yeah, because I learned. I'm like, okay, this is the the connection. I said, all right, let me uh. You know, he he kind of taught me some stuff. Like, no, just go on Amazon, set yourself up with Amazon Relay, and you can run your own loads. Da, 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 da. And then once I registered as a carrier for Amazon Relay and learned how to play the load boards and learn how to book stuff off the load boards, then I started learning how to use the load boards with TQL and these types of places. And Kyle. You know what I mean? I just learned how to use the load boards. Now I became more self-sufficient with money. Now I still didn't know about negotiating rates and, and those types of things. So I still was getting finessed. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just looked at it like, yo, my truck is moving. I'm working. It's making money. It ain't parked. It ain't parked somewhere. Right. Being a bill. You know right. what I'm saying? You know, I was mistaking activity for achievement. You know what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. What, what was, what was like the biggest challenge, like in, in, in ownership, like when you transitioned to that side, like what was the hardest part about it? Aside from just like getting to work, what, what else? The work, the workforce. The workforce. Finding good, consistent drivers, you know what I mean, who not only want to work, but, you know, actually want to treat your equipment with respect. You know what I mean? That's hard because it's not theirs. You know what I mean? And it, so sometimes they don't respect it as if it's theirs. You know what I mean? They'll, like, yo, like that light been on, you know, when the last time you checked the oil? Like, when the last time you checked the air, like, did you knew that mud flap was, how long you knew the mud flap was off? Like, yeah. when was you going to tell me? Yeah. When they pulled you and gave you a DOT violation and I got a ticket that I got to pay, that's when you was going to tell me? So, that's another thing, you know, you got to stay on top of your equipment as a business, you know what I mean? Because you used to drive trucks is different than cars, you know what I mean? And, you know, it, they as, as big and strong as they are, they're fragile, you know yeah. what I mean? The smallest piece... Would, would put you, you know what I mean, truck in the shop for forever. And 100%. you know the, the maintenance on a truck is, you think cars cost a lot of money, the maintenance on a truck is <laughs> 10 times worse. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was like the hardest thing for me. How, how, how did you go about finding your drivers? Um, The typical way, indeed, word of mouth. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, just just hearing different people say, yo, they, they a driver, they drive for this company, drive for that company. I was like, well, you drive for them, you can come work for me. Yeah. Like, you know. But for some reason, it's like when they come work for you, it's like they whole work ethic and all that stuff go out the window. Like, yo, my, my man, I can do this to my man. <laughs> I can give my man a sob story and I ain't got to come to work. It's like, yo, you're killing so, me. So, so let me ask you, did you being you help? Like, I mean, because, you know, you're, you're a legend in this city, right? right? So did that help when you were hiring people or did that hurt? It hurt because it, uh, I think some, sometimes people didn't take me serious in that venue of business because they didn't know me for that. Or they thought we was too cool. You know what I mean? And uh, I, never, I never looked at it uh, as I'm their boss. I look at everybody as they're my teammates. You know what I mean? And I only, we only can go as far as we go together. And uh, that's why still to this day, I still get in the truck and drive some days. You know what I mean? I still get in the truck and work for my fleet because at the end of the day, A and B Global is my responsibility. So if I have a contract I negotiated, I'm obligated to make sure my truck's there to make those deliveries. Plus, for, for two reasons. I also like to let people that join my team know 
I won't ever ask you to do something that I will not do myself. And two, I will never let you handcuff me. My business will move with you or without you. So I always got to, you know, keep that line with us. Got you. How, how hands-on do you have? Well, well, first, first, like, where's the business at today? How many trucks are you, do you have? And then how hands-on are you on the day-to-day operations? Um, I got a small fleet of about four trucks. And uh, I'm very hands-on. Like I said, I still, today's, I still drive. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to fulfill all obligations for my company. Got you. Do you dispatch the trucks as well? Yes. Yes, I just, so I'm like, even if I'm working, I'm on the phone. Yo, you there? What time you getting there? What you got to be here at this time? You know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hassle, but it's a hustle. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? It's yeah. a, you know, I, I've done, I've done a lot more for a lot less. Right. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't look at it as a job because it's my business. I own it. You know what I mean? So I, it's my baby. I'm, I got to grow it. And if, whatever I got to do to make it grow, that's what I'm going to do. Right, right. hundred percent. So it took you about, I guess it's, you said you started, when did you start the first truck, your trucking company? I started my trucking company in 2019. I started registering and I got the truck in 2020. 20, so and within a short, pretty, like, like two or three years, you've grown to like four trucks. Yeah, because it's, you know, it, I had it more of a head start when you own your trucks. You know right. what I mean? When you own your, it gives you more because what you make is profit other than your bills. Got you. So how how did how did you scale? Like, did you pay for the other trucks cash, or did you leverage no, credit? No, no, I got yeah. I leveraged. You know, I learned to leverage credit after I paid for the first couple in cash. Okay, I learned to leverage credit because the credit is more beneficial to growing and scaling your business than the cash is. Got you. So so what what's your goal for the company? Like, how big do you see the company growing? Like, what what's your vision for for A and B Global? My vision is, I want thousands of trucks, but. I want all of my drivers to be least purchased drivers. I want all of those. I want all of my drivers because I always try to talk to all the guys that come home from prison and I tell them my story. And I'm like, yo, this is a, this is an opportunity at entrepreneurship for you. I don't want you to be an employee. I want you to put you in this truck, let you run for me for six months or work for whatever months and then set up a leech purchase program where this could become your, your truck and you own it mm. to where you're working for yourself. Like, I don't want to be your employer. You know what I mean? I want the goal for you to be an owner. A owner operated just like I was. Yeah. Do you have guys doing that now currently? You can't keep them around long <laughs> enough. It's like they get so impatient with the process mm. because I, I think, you know, people see a lot of seminars and they watch a lot of this and they watch a lot of that. And they 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 forget the the middle, the middle parts like, yo, yeah, OK, you want to be an owner. You want to be a this. You want to be a, you don't have any capital. You have to actually do the work part to gain the capital. <laughs> To get some money, go work for a while. If you go dedicate yourself, you dedicated your life, your freedom, your blood to the streets for forever. So you can't dedicate yourself to your business for six months. Yeah. If you grind for six months and save your money, you got enough to buy a truck. And I'm putting you ahead. You don't even have to purchase the truck. I got the truck you've been driving for the last six months. It could be yours. Right. Do this, that, and the third. But, you know, people get impatient with the process. So you've had guys start the process but not really see it all the way through? Because they may go to another guy who offer them an extra hundred dollars a week to go, and they jump in, or I can you can run local and be home every night, and you know, I, I you know some I, which I don't knock them because you got to make the best decision that's best for you and yours. You know what I mean? I wish you the greatest. You know what I mean? But you know you got to start looking at the long view. Yeah. The, 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 the view is not to be an employee for forever. The view is to be an entrepreneur and be a business owner. 
Yeah. Why, why did you choose that that business model of like the lease purchase? What made you come up with that? What, why, why is that? Is that the way you want to run your business? Because I, I really think you, you're not like, like the great advice that people gave me. The jewels, the dimes, they're not to be kept. They're to be passed on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's like uh, growth. Other flowers can't grow unless, you know, the seeds get spread. So it's like it's, it's, it doesn't benefit me to own a zillion trucks and then try to get everybody to work, just work for me because eventually they're, they're not at a shortage of options of other places to work. So if the end game of I'm offering an opportunity to be their own owners and their own uh, owner operators, then that's an opportunity that everybody's not going to offer them. Right. And that's the opportunity that I like to see because I like to see other people doing well. I don't, you know, I don't want to, and plus it takes the headache off of me. I don't want to keep being your boss. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, I want you to see why when, when I come in and I say I got a headache, I want you to see why. You know what I mean? I'm going to let you get it just, you you know, when you think I'm just sitting around eating grapes and watching uh, Sports Center all day, I want you to see like what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis when it's your own. Yeah. When it's your own, you're going to see the work and, and, and the hustle it takes to make this happen. 100%. Because it's not always great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for somebody who's listening right now and they, and they want that kind of opportunity, how, how, how would the process work for them? They would come work, work for you, do your loads for a little while. And they'd be, they, like, how, how, how does the business model work? So they would understand it. Well, when you come and work for me, you, you, you do, do the loads that I have set up because I have different little contracts and different little relationships. And you're going to work for a few months. Then once you move on to become a lease purchase, you're still going to get those same loads and those same contracts. So you're going to have the stability of knowing your truck is going to be moving. So it's not like you're going to jump in the truck and then have to figure out how you're going to pay for it. Right. You're still going to be moving. But instead of you being paid like an employee, you're going to be you're going to make your money as an owner and operator. Right. Right. Do you do do you love the trucking industry, man? Like, how how is how do you feel about the industry in in a whole? Like, just the the day to day hassle of it all. Um, it's a pain. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt because it's, it's just like any other thing. Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback. Everybody could do your job. Everybody could do what you do a little better. Everybody, the grass is always green on that side of the street. It's just always so many things, and then you got the federal regulations. They adjust and they come down on you. You know what I mean? It's just they make it harder for you some way. And then you you battling the natural elements. You driving through snow and ice. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with that. You're tired. You're fatigued. You still got a family at home that you're away from. You know what I mean? It's just life that comes with it. But if you're willing to put in the work and make the sacrifices, it's, it, you can make a good life for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Got you. Let, let, let's talk about your podcast, man. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to move on to that because now, now you're a podcaster as well to add a fifth life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. So, talk about what, what made you want to do a podcast and, and get into this space and, and just tell everybody about your podcast. Just take this opportunity, you know, so they could come check you out also with what you're doing. Uh, well, the name of my podcast is called Never Fool Podcast. And in and, the and, uh, the main premise of the podcast is about uh, dope people that do dope shit. And that's, I'm just interviewing a bunch of dope people. Like, and it's not just about celebrities and athletes and famous people. It's just about people who I feel like is just doing dope things, just even in the community, uh, just around town, neighborhood heroes. And if you happen to be famous or be an athlete, ooh, that's just a plus. But the whole premise of how the podcast came about really is around the trucking industry as well. Mm. Because... I have a contract with a large corporation 
And I was actually doing a delivery myself. I'm in a truck doing a delivery myself. And uh, I, I get to the delivery. I go in to get the paperwork, the bill, the latent sign. And one of the guys recognized me when I go in. He said, oh, Spado, man, you a legend. Da, 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 da. Me and him had a, a little interaction. And we went back and forth and we talked a little bit about the music. And he's like, what you doing? Da, da, da. You know, the general conversation. Right. And uh, then another guy that was working in the warehouse came. So, oh, dang, Spado, da, 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 da. And we had the same interaction. And but as I was walking away, I heard him say, "Damn, the rap shit must have went bad. Oh, he broke. He working. Da, da, da. Mm. Like he said something to that nature. And you know, this, this, the goofy, the goofy in me wanted to go back. And say, you know, <laughs> like you know, that was the goofy in me right. made me want to go back to that. Bro. Right, right. I, I, I didn't. You know what I mean? I, I've grown and I walked and I got in a truck. And normally when I'm in a truck driving, I really don't listen to music too much because I, I collect my thoughts. But when I got in, the, when I got in, I turned it on and I was. Man, because I still was pondering going back. <laughs> I still was pondering. So I turned the radio. I said, let me turn the radio on, cool off. And uh, I turned the radio on. And uh, it was a song come on that I heard a zillion times. But today was the first, that day was the first day I really listened to it. It was a J. Cole song, uh, Love Yours. And it was like, you know, out of hook, he says, no such thing as a life better than yours. And I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Then one of the lines, he was like, uh... It's always going to be whips better than the ones you got. And it's always going to be clothes better than the ones you rock. And it's yeah. always going to be better looking girls on them tours, but you'll never be happy until you love yours. And I'm like, damn. When, he, when I heard that, I'm like, damn. I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, you really was ready to go back and argue with a dude. And I'm like, the name on your shirt inside the truck, this you. This is your business. You own multiple. But like, you ready to argue with a, them guys and you probably going to make more in two hours than they going to make in a whole two weeks together. And I'm like, you really ready to go argue? I'm like, you really like an ungrateful you know what I mean? I'm like, yo, yeah. like all the shit that you done been through and lived through and survived and you still here and you ready to. And that really like once that hit me, I looked out the windows like the sun was shining brighter, the grass was greener. And I'm like, you know what? Everything I ever thought about doing, every idea I ever had, I'm going full throttle with everything. And I just and that's how the podcast came. I'm like, yo, I want to do a show. And I want to start my show because even if we, I interview the same guys as every other podcast, the interview it, with me, it's going to be different because right. I'm going to ask some different questions from a different perspective and we're going to have a different interaction. So that's how the Never Fool podcast is. It came about. It's going to be dope. It's going to be, you know, you already know. Yeah, you know what I mean? hundred percent. That's that's dope. And talking about bringing things full circle, I saw a really dope post that you made on Instagram and you were parked by a truck and you were saying how that truck, you used to see the writing of the, what was said on that truck was on your yeah, sure. T tell that story because no, I, I thought that was really dope. No, nah, I was I was actually doing a delivery and I was in there. Um, damn, what part of PA was I at, man? I, I, Belafonte, PA. I was out near Belafonte in this SCI Rockview State Correctional Institution. Rockview is out there, and uh, when you inside, even on the soap, all the stuff says Big House products, Big House products, because all the clothes we're wearing there—the Browns, the T-shirts, the socks, the boxes is produced by another jail as part of criminal industries. So I pulled up next to a criminal industry truck. So I think, I don't know what they, I think they make the soap at Rockview. So I pulled up next, I'm at the gas station. I pull up next and I park next to the criminal industries truck, the big house with the products. And I'm looking and I'm like, yo, I'm like, this shit is, it was like surreal to me. I'm like, yo, like really, like I got my truck parked next to, to this truck. Like, like how could you... Like how, like, how could you, you know, I couldn't imagine that. Right. Like, I'm looking at them words, big house products. I remember that scene on all the tags of all of my T-shirts and my boxers and everything. And I'm like, 
yo, I really got the truck that I own, the business that I'm running parked next to this truck. And then the, 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 the driver, because they're guards too, that drive those trucks. So they looking at me like, why does motherfucker keep looking at me? And I'm looking at them like, yo, this is, it was like blowing my mind because I, I remember these same guys, you know, locking me in the cell. Yeah. And now I'm next to them in my own truck, in my own business. They work for them. I work for me. I'm like, this shit is real. Like, I'm like, yeah. You know what I mean? That was like... That was like the the first time in my life. Even when I got on with rap, I didn't feel I didn't have that feeling. Like that was the first time in my life I really smelt my flowers. Like yeah, yeah. Mm. like yeah, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> you 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 can't make that up. That's like a perfect full circle. Nah, man, that joint, man. Them like that's how I knew the podcast had to come because it just been so many life changing moments that just been happening to me recently. And it's like, yo, man, go like go like twenty twenty two is not but. Not the time to put ceilings on myself. Mm. Like it's it's no it's no it's no limit to what I can be. You know what I'm saying? And and nobody ever limited me. I limited myself, and that's what I try to tell the drivers. I try to get to join my team. Ain't no limit on what you can be. Who says you can just be a driver? You can be an owner, a fleet owner, a company owner. Why can't you be the next JB Hunt? Yeah, you know what I mean. Why can't you? One hundred percent. You ever think about picking that mic up again, man? I still dibble and dabble. Okay. I still, I still, I still, I'm still in there. You know, making it happen. I'm gonna pop out some some stuff. Okay. Like you know what I mean. Okay. I'm gonna pop okay. out some stuff. But solo. Just, uh, I'm always do some some solo stuff. I always me and Lava still always work together. And I still always work with the guys. And I still and people always hit me all the time for features and you know to get me to do stuff. But. Now I'm like, all my moves got to be strategic. I can't be moving sideways. So I, I always do stuff. If it don't make sense, I ain't really going to do it. You know what I mean? I'm not at the point in my life where I'm rapping just to rap. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. 100%. 100%. Man a, man, a man of many hats, man. Trucking, podcast, maybe another album or something like that in yeah, the future. Man, I'm trying. This, this, this conversation has been dope, man. It's everything that I expected it to be. I appreciate uh, you and, having and, me, and, and I appreciate you being here, bro. Uh, we, we're going to rap. But before we rap and... and True truck and hustle fashion. We always got to have our final thought, hmm. which is basically, you know, just come from the heart, man. Like entrepreneurial, spiritual, whatever you want to leave the people with. And then we got to let everybody know, you know, where they could connect with you. Never Fold Podcast, a and Transport, um, just you yourself personally. Just let them know all your socials and all that. So um, let's start with the, the final thought, brother. Uh, my final thought is, you know, 2022 is about no ceilings. Don't put ceilings on what you can be. Don't let nobody define your greatness. Don't worry about whatever people think, you know, because at the end of the day, this year is about getting it, getting to it. And we don't care if they know we got it or not. <laughs> and that's what it's about. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm uh, the real Spado on Instagram, Twitter, all of that, Facebook, whatever. And uh, the Never Fold podcast is Never Fold the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere. And, uh, Never Fold the Podcast is going to be on all platforms pretty soon. Well, bro, I appreciate you being here, man. Like I said, you're a legend in this game. Let me, let me give you your flowers right now. Nah, I appreciate you, you, it, you definitely spearheaded a lot of what comes out of Philly today. You know what I'm saying? Y'all started that. So, um, you know, we, we, we love it, man. Nah. Appreciate you, my brother. Nah, man. Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you, you so for having much. me. This man. is a dope conversation. Listen, Hustle Fam, you know what we do around this time. If you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Me and the legend Spado, we out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.